Hello, and welcome back to episode six of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter, news, and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. Before we begin today, we do have an announcement to make. For the previous five episodes, we've dedicated a segment each week to discussing the new anime episodes, but after some discussion between the two of us, we've decided that we will not be discussing the anime in detail going forward. The reason is that to do a spoiler-free discussion of the anime, we have to either pretend as though we don't know what's going to happen, and then we can talk about everything, or gloss over the events that have been covered further than the manga, which isn't fun for us and probably isn't fun to listen to either. It seemed fine for the post-reverie stuff, since we could still speculate on those things, but it really hasn't felt right since the anime began Wano at 3. I'm sure that if something big happens in the anime and we have something of note to discuss about it, we'll handle that as it comes, but for the most part, that segment is now gone. But to compensate, we will try to discuss the manga bits in more detail. But if you actually did enjoy the anime discussion segment, or if you have a suggestion about how we can do it better, or if you just have something you specifically want us to talk about, let us know in a comment, or you can send an email to inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com, or you can even tweet at us at inheritedatwillpodcasts on Twitter. With that out of the way, this week we'll be covering Manta Chapter 1003 and rereading Manta Chapters 57 through 68. Jordan, anything you want to say before we jump into the manga discussion? Actually, yeah, I just want to clarify one thing. On both the email and the Twitter handle, there is an S on the end. I just want to make sure that that came through. It is podcasts multiple. And we'll have those links in the description of the video as well, so don't got to take our word for it. You'll take our word for it later in a different area. <laughs> That's precisely right. With that, let's go ahead and jump into chapter 1003. Yeah, we'll jump in with the energy that the uh, chapter starts with, which is, you know, top, like, maxed out energy. Quick side note before we actually jump in, but it does pertain to this page. The last couple weeks I've been doing these, reading these chapters uh, at work, which means I have my computer with me when I do so, which means I've been reading it on the full screen Viz website. Okay. Previously, I would read on my phone, right? I imagine you probably do as well. I do. If you have an opportunity to, I really suggest you read it on the full screen Viz mode because the impact of these double page spreads is really different where you can actually see the entire page <laughs> all in one go. This is something I wanted to talk to you about in general because I think I have noticed hmm, sort of a trend in manga nowadays where I feel like the mangakas almost are planning around phones a little bit more oh you think so do you i well i'm not sure i think it could be happening because when i read through dragon ball there was very little two page spreads that i remember and then something like one piece comes along and there are for sure two piece spreads but then taking it a step further i've recently been catching up on my hero academia Oh. And those two-page spreads, I feel like, still follow the flow of reading on a screen in your hand. You get most of the full picture, whether you read it knowing there's another page attached to it or not. It's it's interesting. It's almost more like, it's almost more like a reveal in that way, as opposed to this that is trying to 
portray the the scale of it. I see. I haven't noticed that in my hero, but I've been reading it week to week since I've been caught up. But I'll have to pay more attention to that when next week's chapter comes out. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will try to do what you said, and I'll look at these on a more worthy screen. Because, yeah, having the barrage of Kaido cut in half is... It's a little... I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. It's just how, like, you go from the title page on the previous page on the website, mm-hmm. you click to the left, and then bam, it's all right there in front of you. It just feels more impactful to me that way. Right, there's no question about it. It just, it flows. It probably feels real good. It sure does. Anyway, Luffy is beating the snot out of poor Kaido here. Across five panels, sits if you include the one, the larger one out at the bottom there. Just really going the town on that poor dragon's face. Yeah, and pretty much everyone there is shocked by it, including Big Mom. Like, yeah, this Big is, Mom is the most shocked. Yeah, this is <laughs> a true statement right here. Quite so. Uh, even, you see down in the bottom right there, uh, Kid in particular has like some exclamation marks here. So I guess he is more shocked than Law and uh, Zoro, who have seen this form of Luffy's before and knows what to expect with it. Well, also, I got that feeling throughout this whole chapter where Kid must just be feeling Inadequate. left in the dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, he is just nothing compared to, like, even Law, I think. And then Law is almost nothing compared to Luffy here. Indeed. I really got that impression on the following page, the bottom left panel with a zoom in on that half of his face. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense because pretty much anyone should be shocked by this. <laughs> but the fact that Oda is giving it special moments, I think he's got to be trying to get that across. I have no doubt that that is correct. Luffy punches Kaido one last time in his smug dragon snoot, sends him flying into the top of Onigashima, causes a big old dust explosion up there. But unfortunately, uh, that appears to be the end of Gear 4th for the time being. He's all deflated, and I'm sure that he's going to pay for it. Two things about this deflation thing. I was kind of surprised, until I thought about it, that Law knew the downside of Gear 4th. But I think he was one of the ones who like helped out Luffy when this happened to him in Dressrosa the first time he used it. Okay. But beyond that, I was kind of like, I had forgotten when this first happened. That this was even a side effect of Gear 4, because it hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, I, was, I feel like it has been quite some time. I think Luffy's used Gear 4 a couple times in Wano, but it's always been in like short bursts up until now. I don't think he's had to go all out for an extended period of time since um, Katakuri, that first round. Right, right. It's good to see that even though he has obviously come very far in this arc alone, there's still more for him to do. Indeed. But uh, sucks for him at the moment, though, because he's going to be out of commission for 10 entire minutes unless something has changed that Law doesn't know about. And that can be a lifetime in moments like this. Quite so. But that means it's time for the rest of our party here to do some work on their own. It's going to be rough for him, right? I have no doubt that that is true. I mean, it proves to be rough almost immediately. Big Mom goes in for a big old flame and sword slash, and uh. Not only does Zoro have to engage in combat, they also have to protect Luffy. <laughs> He's definitely on top of it. Like Zoro knows more than anyone the 
downsides of what Luffy is doing. So it makes sense that he's there and ready to help him out. But, uh, I mean, Big Mom just, she's doing her thing. She goes after Law. She, she's not letting them get in a, a bit edgewise here. Mm-mm. Kid and Killer up there after, I don't know, I guess Big Mom wasn't really aiming for them. But after that sword slash of hers, they decide to go ahead and keep on attacking Kaido to keep the pressure up. They attempt to do so, but alas, Dragon Twister. <laughs> yeah, Kaido's a real Pokemon now. Don't you hate it when you go to try and beat up the dragon, and it turns out he can summon tornadoes? Yeah, I think this is where Zoro compares him to a natural disaster, and the man has control over lightning and now wind as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's too much. Well, this has been a thought floating around in my brain for a little bit now, Jordan. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Are you familiar with the theory that Monkey D. Dragon has a devil fruit that allows him to control the weather, and that's why the scaffolding that Luffy was on back in Town got struck by lightning at just the right time, and then that storm showed up to help guide them along the way while they were trying to escape? Uh, I've never heard this theory specifically, but based off of those two things, I can understand it's coming about, yeah. That and Dragon potentially being like a, a wind Lodia type, kind of the big two theories about what kind of power he might have, if any. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel as though Big Mom and Kaido collectively having control over like pretty much every form of natural disaster imaginable kind of debunks that theory. Would you agree? Do you uh, think they would kind of double down on powers of powerful characters like this? Uh, I want to say no, but also I feel like you can you can twist things enough to sort of make them stand out, even if they are similar. But considering I just heard about <laughs> this theory to start with, I am pretty quick to let it go to the wayside. So I hope it's not that. <laughs> I think it'd be more interesting now. I agree, but these theories have been floating around like 20 years ever since Dragon shows up for the first time. So I'm sure like the hardcore theory pushers probably kind of bummed out now that their theory might not be correct. I think they should be excited about that almost. Like it's something better than what they thought about in most likelihood. Uh, we'll see. Maybe one day Dragon will do uh, something. No, no, he won't. <laughs> you don't think so? Never. I see. Here's hoping Jordan's wrong. Anyway, due to that dragon twister, Luffy and Zoro get separated in midair, and Luffy gets munched. Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. We're done. End of the series. Luffy's dead. Kaido becomes Pirate King. Yeah, done. (laughs) It's been fun, everyone. Just kidding. Zoro has his own dragon twister. This is a fun stance. This is a good use of the three sword style. I mean, on the right, right above the... Yes, the, I guess, fourth panel down gotcha, on gotcha. the right side. Uh, yeah, this kind of, like, animal aura has kind of been a thing of Zoro's attacks for a long time, but I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen it happen. <laughs> right, right. I love that Oda still finds ways for the three-sword style to, like, stand out. Like, that wouldn't be the same with only two swords, you know? Agreed, agreed, agreed. And in the following small panel, Kaido notices for the first time, I guess, even though I think Big Mom pointed it out to him last chapter, but I guess he's forgotten, that Zoro's katana 
Enma, in this case, he doesn't know it yet, but it's Enma, is the source of his strange, powerful hockey he's been sensing off of him. And then he gets sliced by it big time. Lots of dragon twisters in here. I feel like Zoro didn't have a name for that move, but then he heard Kaido call his dragon twister, and he said, you know what? Black rope dragon twister, what now? Not so, my guy. The dragon twister has been a move that Zoro has been using since Arlong Park, and then after the uh, the time skip, we first see him use this exact move, the black rope dragon twister, in uh, Fishman Island against the uh, octopus fishman from Hody's group. Oh, really? Yeah, so I think what happened <laughs> is that Kaido used the dragon twister. Zoro's like, hold on a second. That's my move. I can do it better. And then he does. Well, arguably better. Okay, okay. I should pay more attention to move names, I guess. <laughs> so it's Kaido that's copying Zoro. It's a weird contest here, I guess. Indeed. He cuts Kaido, and Luffy, fortunately, pops on out of his body. Hooray. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty lucky. I guess if you hurt a man who hasn't been hurt in many a year, he'd probably exhale. Um, I'll buy it. Yeah, and I mean, it can't have been that long since he went to his mouth, so maybe he was right. still in the upper esophageal area. Sure, right, right. <laughs> Well, and also, I guess he would need to clear his throat for a demolition breath, honestly. I suppose that's true. No matter what, Luffy was coming out of there. And that also, somehow, everyone seems to dodge Kaido's big move, the demolition breath. I thought that was pretty impressive. I can't really tell what's going on in the kid panel. I mean, it looks like there's a slash like directly behind him. I'm not sure how he would have managed to dodge that with his big mech. But he also doesn't care. <laughs> right. There's definitely something going through the arm of Kid's soldier thing. Oh, you're right. But I see it there. On the he line. can just bring it back. Like it's not the mech falling apart is of no concern to him. Right. It's all crap anyway, yeah. as he says. <laughs> but Law, I guess, managed to dodge it with his power again. Zoro just kind of jumps out of the way and shouts "Whoa!" And a uh, killer showing some impressive moves uh, manages to deflect some with his spinny blades. You would think someone would get hit by something, but maybe we're not there yet. Uh, those rocks nets the killer on that nets panel were not so lucky, though. They didn't manage to block the move. Oh, that's the casualty I was looking for. Thank yeah, you. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. On the following page here, we get a little bit of the fighting happening in the big room down below. People are whining because it's raining rubble. Poor them. Then we get a little shot of uh, Orochi's head still on the ground there. Ain't that nice? Yeah, I kind of thought someone would have dealt with that by now, but nope. They had a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, that's... I can't It's like an invasion them. happening immediately. But I thought the fact that Orochi's head was here on the ground was a little bit of an interesting thing to show. Because we don't see his body here, right? Yeah. So ever since... I'm sure you've seen these theories as well, Jordan. But ever since Orochi was first decapitated, people have been like, Oh, well, he's a Hydra. He can just regrow his head anyway. Yep. And I think that is possible and perhaps even likely because we don't see his body here. So maybe he's already regrown ahead by now and that's just the other one still dead on the ground there. But it's also possible that he has the ability to revive himself. He's just chosen to stay dead for the moment because he knows that even if he comes back, he's still screwed against Kaido. So he's just waiting until after the battle has concluded and hoping for the best. That's a good point. I mean, we do know him to be a coward <laughs> so that that would make a lot of sense especially when his entire army has now defected over to kaido i mean what's he gonna do if he comes back 
he's got nothing going for him at this point. I do think that he'll come back at some point because, yeah, Hydra. But feels like there's got to be some sort of confrontation between him and Momonosuke at some point. Like, yeah. Momo, like, I don't know, punches him in his smug face right at the end after he comes back. Right. Gotta, gotta symbolize the transfer of power. Exactly. I mean, this guy, like, he didn't do it himself, but he caused the death of his father. So, like, mm-hmm. gotta be something there. I mean, yeah, he's been rotten from the start, so we'll get there. Fuck Orochi. He's the worst. From there, we find out that uh, CP0's here. Yay. All your favorites. All this time, we had thought that that guy with the one white eye and one black eye was wearing a mask, but I guess that's just his face. He wears it well. (laughs) (laughs) As well as anyone could, I suppose. Mm -hmm. These guys here, this guy in particular, are narrating the battle in a way akin to Enaru in Skypea, where he was like making a prediction of how many people was going to be standing after S number of hours. Remember that? Mm -hmm. They don't make a prediction, of course, but they're just kind of narrating how many people are still alive in that same way. They don't think that Kaido and Big Mom are going to lose, but they're having fun thinking about the battlefield possibilities. Yeah, they're not completely discrediting it. They do say that it's an unnecessary concern. Like, don't even give it thought. But the fact that they're even talking about it means that they know it can happen. Indeed. They're impressed with how the samurai and company have been doing so far. Now, you and I had... a. Uh, Discussed a couple weeks ago, I think, how in the anime, Orochi, had, I don't remember how many he said specifically, but our conclusion was like, he's got to be exaggerating. No way there's that many people on Onigashima. Turns out there's 30,000 people there. Yeah, that's a big number. Which I think might even be more than whatever Orochi said. Like, good lord. I want to say it was somewhere around there, but regardless, 30,000 or 27,000 at this point, I guess, is many. Indeed. 3,000 have already gone down. Yeah, but it's they still have barely made a dent. What does it matter for now? It's true. Our boys came in with 5,400. Not sure how they knew that precisely, but apparently 400 of them are already done, which is far less than 3,000. Mm-hmm. So you notice how down at the bottom here, they're choosing to represent the battle as like a game of Go? Yeah. Are you familiar with this game at all? I know it in passing. I don't know any of the actual rules. I played it once or twice. The basic gist is you just want to surround the other guy's pieces with your color, right? Mm-hmm. So what these guys are not taking into account is Otama's ability to turn gifters, of which we know there are many, into allies, right? Yeah. So I think it's no coincidence that... This like metaphorical game that they're playing of Go is a game that you flip the opponent's pieces to the other side when you surround them to make them your own. I like that. That's good. That's good parallels. Indeed. That's interesting. Especially since we haven't seen that particular power to have any sort of time limit or restrictions. Mm-mm. It kind of just goes forever. We've only seen her use it on Smile users so far. So we don't know if it would be able to extend to, like, the real Zoan users. But, uh, like you said, no time limit. Seems to work on all of the Smile users, at least. Mm -hmm. And the Zoan users are for the actual Straw Hats to fight. 
which True. is something else I wanted to bring up because where it's flashing through, like, oh, if the new generation can't stop those officers, it does focus on Yamato, which I understand that, like, yeah, she is a part of this, but, like, she gets front and center when it's flashing on the actual Straw Hat members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting for her to share that spotlight, especially with the discussion of her possibly joining and yada yada. Indeed. I do want to talk more about this page and implications it might have for uh, the ultimate matchups. Mm-hmm. But as we should wrap up the chapter right quick before we get into hardcore speculation territory. Right. So like you said, we flashed through some shots of the Straw Hats in their little battles. CP0 is speculating over top of it, and they're like, do us a favor. I mean, we don't think Kaido and Big Bomb are going to lose, but it works out for us, the world government, if you take out as many of them as you can. So they don't really have a, a horse in this race, but we'll see how this goes for them. Yeah, it's all win-win for them. It doesn't matter. On the following page here, we see... like. I thought they were mines at first, but they're just like <laughs> entrances onto the roof, I guess. Two of which have been busted open, and one on the left there appears to still be closed. And we get a little tease of what a Kaido's hybrid form is going to be. Yeah, about the smallest tease you could expect, though. Pretty much. I mean, you see his little scaly hand mm-hmm. above the main panel at the bottom, but in the panel itself... His silhouette doesn't really look any different no. than like normal Kaido. <laughs> no, I thought maybe his horns would change in some way, maybe. But, I mean, he didn't He didn't get bigger. He didn't, unless there's some weird perspective going on there. There may be. I said that his silhouette doesn't look any different. But you see, like, in between his spiky club and, like, his normal horns? Mm-hmm. What are those three, like, bonus horns well, going on there? he does have... He has two sets of horns when he's in the dragon form. It could just be... I believe you, but... It's, it's true. Oh, yeah, he yeah. does. So it, it's probably just some form of that. But I don't think that he could have gotten much bigger considering he's using the same weapon and it looks the same in his hands. Well, yes, but Kaido's size has varied wildly <laughs> since his appearance. Well, okay, yeah. I think officially, like in the Viva cards, he's like half of Big Mom's size or something. Oh. I don't know if that's exactly correct, but he is smaller than Big Mom in, like, official material. But we see here that he appears to be (laughs) standing shoulder to shoulder with her, and she's flying on top of Prometheus. So, uh... Yeah. (laughs) We'll see how that goes, I guess. Yeah, and we'll probably see next week based off of what has been happening. I mean, we keep questioning whether we're going to see other things. We got a taste of it in this one, but it seems like we're in this battle. I'm kind of more convinced than ever now that next chapter, we're going to pop over to what the other straw hats are doing. This seems like classic Oda teasing something we've all been wanting to see for a long time and then cutting to something else for a little while. <laughs> you got to build the, the suspense. I don't know. The anticipation, all of it. It'll be real mean, but I think I'm right on this one. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Popping back to CP0 right quick, there were a few things that I thought were interesting before we talked about the final matchup speculation I mentioned I wanted to talk about. Okay. Here's something you may not have noticed, Jordan. The world government, including the Marines, kind of have their hands in both pies at the moment. 
CP0 are siding with Kaido and Big Mom. They're like basically in their employ in a manner of speaking. They're business partners through Orochi as a proxy. Yep. And they work directly for the world government, mind you, but Tenryubito. Meanwhile, the Marines super secret special force sword using Drake in this case as the representative are siding with the straw hats. So they're kind of in conflict against themselves <laughs> in a manner of speaking. That is an interesting little tidbit there. I hadn't considered that, especially since we haven't seen Drake in a little bit. Yeah, they've, they've put themselves in quite a good position, huh? Indeed, no matter what, they win, I guess. What is Drake up to? What was the last time we saw him? I think the last time was against uh, Scratchman. Do we see like what happened to him after that? I don't remember him doing anything that stands out since then. I think that happened in chapter like 999 or 1000, and we've been pretty heavily focusing on Kaido, Big Mom, and Luffy since then, so maybe he'll show up soon. That does kind of segue into something I wanted to discuss with you. We've been talking for a few weeks now about how these matchups with the other Straw Hats kind of had to be shaken up, at least in Sanji's case. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we've discussed at all like what we think the final matchups are going to be with these guys. So what do you think? What are your thoughts about that? Who do you think is going to end up with who? Who do you think is going to be shaken up? The only one that we really know needs to be shaken up is Sanji. And he only has so many options. True. There are some that I think are more set in stone than others. I think the Nami and Usopp battle is pretty set against Page One and Ulti. I think previously you have brought up the possibility of Chopper against Queen, and I have thought about that since then, and I really like it. I think that with the medicine aspect versus the poisoning, it just it makes too much sense for it not to happen, almost. Agreed. And I'm sure they can't just kick Chopper off to the side and have them making medicine for the entire fight. He's got to do something more like plot substantial than that, right? He's got to. I Well, I guess he doesn't. But considering the buildup that this entire arc has had, it would take the wind out of the sails for it, really. Agreed. And Chopper hasn't had like a real fight since the very beginning of the time skip. Granted, a lot of these characters haven't. But yeah. Chopper in particular doesn't get married many fights pre-time skip, so it just kind of feels like he's been shafted a bit more than our other main boys. I hope everyone gets at least some time to shine. I hope so. Everyone pictured here is pretty much in a conflict. Mm -hmm. The only ones out of the Straw Hats that are not are, like you said, Chopper, Robin, and Brooke. They're just kind of on the bottom floor doing nothing in particular. Chopper's doing something, but the others aren't, as far as we know. Yeah, Brooke is one that I think almost has the most the most chance for a switch up because of his previous interaction with Big Mom and seeing how effective he was against her reanimated or animated, not reanimated, against her animated things. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that he could possibly end up going up to help if she were to pull something like that out, but she also hasn't done anything anything with that since we've seen her on this island yeah you know i remember when she first like showed up to the fire festival party on onagashima she like showed up with a whole bunch of homies 
in like the form of yokai like she put a soul inside like a paper lantern and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i don't remember what happened to those guys <laughs> i don't think it's been anything of note really mm-hmm. maybe brooke just bopped them real quick off screen since that is like you said something he's good at right right who are the other ones that you were saying so we got chopper we got brooke robin is also not currently paired with anybody oh i mean i feel like robin i mean she was already set up with the ninja force right like she did her infiltration and they found her she had that little bit of conflict Mm -hmm. that's true does that mean that it's gonna stay that way who can say i think it would be really cool to see robin go up against a number of them i know that some of them have been dealt with theoretically already we're talking about the ninjas specifically right yes yes i know some of them were running around terrified because of brooke being a creep but being a creep well (laughs) he was trying to creep him out he was trying to be scary (laughs) but i think that robin makes the most sense out of like the influx characters to take on a good number of people i agree Maybe, if not a group of people, she goes up against the leader of the Oniwabanshu. Yeah. The guy with the tall head and the earlobes. Yeah, I just want him to go away. <laughs> Poor him. Here's some thoughts that I had about potential shakeups. I only just now thought about this. But we know that uh, Sanji has to be swapped out with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that somebody still has to take on Black Maria. Oh, yeah. I thought of two potential good matchups for her and i added a a third one on uh, as we were speaking just now but the first one i thought about was uh yamato why couldn't yamato take on black maria she's not doing anything right now that's true she doesn't really have a big name tied to her Mm -mm. last time we saw her she was like falling down a big hole that she had made that frankie could take on triceratops man or whatever now she appears to be like kind of roughed up in this panel here for some reason but uh hasn't been an actual conflict since uh running away from sasaki yeah and if nothing else it would make sense because she would probably know where black maria was posted indeed another thought i had was maybe robin versus black maria Mm -hmm. i'm sure there are exceptions to this but generally speaking oda likes to have female characters taking out female characters that's true for most creators from what I've seen. So it just seems to check out that, in this case, Nami is occupied with the other female Flying <laughs> Sits member. Um, so it made sense that the, the other female Straw Hat would take on the other one. Yeah. Plus, that even kind of adds up with what you were saying with uh, Robin being able to take out multiple people at once. Right, uh, she had a little posse there. Mm-hmm. Of uh, other spider smile users, I believe. And the third one that I think has the least chance is maybe Brooke, just so that he can be creeping on Black Maria while fighting her. <laughs> really? I mean, Indeed. if if he has the time to uh, goof around, I think that could be a very fun fight, but I agree that it is the least likely, yeah. I mean, Brooke felt like he had the time to look at Big Mom's panties when a uh, they were having their little scuffle when they were fleeing aboard the Sunny. Yeah. That didn't seem to be yeah. a problem to him, so Black Maria should be chump change <laughs> compared to that encounter. That's true. The man has died once. He has nothing left to fear. Exactly. But that then that begs the question, 
since we already know Sanji has to split from Black Maria unless something changes with his character, who does he fight then? I still like the Sanji King matchup personally. I know that Marco is also playing into this and we have to account for that, but mm-hmm. I think thematically it just makes the most sense. He can fly. They can both fly. It would be an awesome aerial battle that would really, really push Sanji to show up and show off his raid suit while Zoro is having the... Like, he has the Kaido battle. He's fine. Sanji needs something that at least comes close to rivaling that, you know? I agree. And this is something I've been thinking about for some time. This is like the number one pirate crew in the world, in theory, led by Kaido. Luffy, aided by those other guys, but mostly Luffy so far, is going to be the one to take out Kaido, maybe Big Mom at the same time. Mm-hmm. Zoro, his number one guy, is up there helping him. But if Luffy is going to be the pirate king one day, doesn't it make sense that his officers, pretty much, the other straw hats, have to surpass Kaido's crew? They have to at least be on par with. The point I'm getting at is... Sanji is potentially the number three guy, aside from maybe Jinbei. There's an argument to be made there, as far as power goes with the Straw Hats. So it kind of reflects poorly on him, I feel, if he is relegated to fighting just one of the Flying Six, and Marco, just as an example, since he's already fighting the two of them currently, if Marco, someone who's not even directly with the Straw Hats, takes on King and Queen at the same time. You know? Oh, that would be absurd. Yeah, that Indeed. would be that would be crazy. So to me, it feels like almost a given that Sanji has to get up there and combat with either Kane or Queen, one of the two. Right, yeah. I would prefer he fight Kane, but we also saw that potential like history between Queen and the Vinsmoke family, so maybe thematically it would make more sense for him to fight Queen. Yeah, that is a factor, but where would that leave Chopper? What's he going to do then? Chopper's doctrine right now, Jordan, let him do what he do. Yeah, there you go. I know that does directly contradict what I said before, Yeah, but I want Sanji to fight Queen. <laughs> okay, you'd rather have him fight Queen than King, huh? Well, I think it would be a better showing of Sanji's power with the raid suit if he could take down King right now. But I've been really hardcore believing in that Queen connection with... Uh, the Vince Mode family thing that I've been harping about for ages now. So I just feel like that's a more likely battle, you know? Okay. Okay. We'll see what happens. So assuming that does happen, Sanji fights Queen, that will leave Marco with King, I guess, which would be kind of a bummer because, again, Marco's not really a straw hat, but, mm-hmm. you know, they only got so many guys, I guess. Do you think Jimbei is going to stick with this who's who character that he's currently fighting? The cat people? Mm-hmm. Possibly. I mean, who's who at least seemed to know Jimbei. So there might be a bit of a a beef there as far as who's who is concerned, at least. Yeah, I think that one's pretty solid. I think it's got a... It wouldn't do much to change it at this point. Oh, speaking of which, something just popped in my head that I wanted to ask you about. Do you know who Mast Deuce is? I don't think so. He is Ace's right-hand guy revealed in the Ace spinoff novels. Okay. We'll be talking about that in more detail in a little bit because this pertains to the news. But he's like, just know him as Ace's number one guy. Gotcha. There's a theory 
that Who's Who and Mast Deuce, formerly Ace's number one guy, are one and the same. I discovered this when doing some research for the news. I was just doodling Mast Deuce. Okay. And one of the first thing that pops up in Doodle is like, is Mast Deuce who's who? Like, why on earth would people think that? So I looked into it a little bit. And the correlations are that they both try to hide their identities with a mask. And even their names are kind of by their essence, them trying to hide their identity, right? Like his name is Mast Deuce, who's who, you know, there's a commonality there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people think that the beef that who's who has with Jimbe, if he is indeed Mast Deuce, is that Jimbe is the one who exhausted Ace so hardcore before uh, he had his confrontation with Whitebeard, and that's the reason their crew was separated, right? Which ultimately led to Ace dying later down the road. That would require so much forethought on Mast Deuce's part. Like, he would, he would have so. to know that Jinbei would join Luffy and that Luffy would go to Wano to overthrow Kaido. Well, I'm not saying I agree with this theory, but to play devil's advocate in this case, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he didn't have to have joined Kaido just to get back to Jinbei. He could just be picking a fight with him now because it's convenient, you know? Okay, that's <laughs> he fair. He just yeah. had nowhere to go after Ace was gone. Well, okay, to counter that point, it would seem a strange jump to go from Ace's number two dude to working for Kaido. I agree. I mean, Oda isn't Tetsuya Nomura, right? He's not the kind of guy who's going to expect you to read the spinoff novel Mm -hmm. in order for you to understand an important character, right? Yeah. So I don't think this theory is very likely. Plus, I was reading on the wiki, again, researching this man, and I didn't see what the source was. But according to the wiki, uh, Ace's crew got assimilated into the Whitebeard Pirates. And Mass Deuce like, became one of the doctors attending the Whitebeard on the crew. Okay. So like, okay. what what beef would Mass Deuce still have with Jimbe if it kind of all worked out for them anyway? You know? Sure. Yeah, I hear you. Don't think that theory has any legs, but I did think it was fun to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to think about theories, but I think we should probably move on to the next segment. So be it. Uh, No break next week. The new chapter drops on February 14th. Looking forward to it. And that takes us into the news segment. All right, bit of a lengthy news week, but I'm going to try and get through it as swiftly and painlessly as possible. So kind of a lot of things dropped in Japan this past week. One Piece Magazine issue 11 was released, and with it we got all sorts of goodies. First thing is that Oda drew a what-if scenario illustration of if Hancock had eaten Anaru's Goro Goro fruit. Of course, I will post a link to that image as posted on Reddit, but the basic gist of it is Oda does good work as always. Speaking of Ace, the Ace spinoff novel manga adaptation, Chapter 2, as drawn by Boichi, was also released in the magazine. So it is the manga adaptation of the novel drawn by this other guy who is most famous for drawing Dr. Stone right now. There's no official translation right now, nor is there one for the first chapter yet, but there is a fan translation out there for those interested in such things. 
does make you wonder, though, why they are so slow in translating this sort of thing compared to the weekly chapters. In addition, in this magazine, the next chapter of the Heroines novel was released. This one about Perona during her time with Zoro and Mihawk during the time skip. This makes it the fourth chapter in this short story series, with the previous ones being short stories about Nami, Robin, and Vivi, and the next one being a story about Hancock. Presumably, once all five are released, they're going to be compiled into a novel, and that's why it's called the Heroines novel. In addition to the magazine this week, volume 98 of the manga was released in Japan, and with it came another round of SBS questions. We're not going to cover every single thing here, just the juiciest bits, and these translations come from Arthur from the Library of O'Hara, with links to both the appropriate section of his website along with his Twitter account where he puts out the translations. First up is perhaps the biggest news. A young man wrote in asking, quote, if Luffy's Gear 4 is a thing, then will Gear 5 be a thing as well? To which Oda responds, Right now, the enemy we have to defeat is the man said to essentially be the world's strongest. Because of that, the world is in the age of transitioning from 4G to 5G. G means Gear, right? Unclear, as of right now, if Oda is indeed confirming Gear 5th during this fight, or if he's just making a joke about 5G internet, we'll have to see where that goes. <laughs> he's definitely making the joke there. There's no doubt about that. But Well, yes, but is it just that, or is he also teasing that this is going to happen? That's my question. Right, yeah. I have given this some thought. I think it will happen eventually. There's just too much story left to be told for this to be the peak, in my opinion. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oda is also asked to detail the rank structure of the Marines, and he does so. Um, but the only new information here is that Django and Full Body have been promoted from seaman recruits from pre-time skip, which is almost the lowest rank, to lieutenant commanders, which is a pretty high rank. T-Bone has also been promoted from a captain pre-time skip to a rear admiral post-time skip. So good for T-Bone. He deserves it. Uh, the other two, not so much. While answering a question about the Beast Pirates' names being derived from card games, Oda also mentions that originally Doflamingo was meant to fight alongside the Beast Pirates at Wano instead of having his own arc uh, in Dressrosa. That's a fascinating little tidbit. I can't imagine Dressrosa just not existing. Me neither, but thinking back on it, aside from destroying the Smile Factory and Doflamingo going down... Not all that much of import happened there. I mean, they met Fujitora. It just felt like a necessary step to me. Like, I guess there might have been some sort of other entity there that they would have needed to overcome, but if they just would have skipped the arc completely, that would be bonkers. But they could have just, like, put the Smile Factory on Punk Hazard and have Doflamingo just be based in, or better yet, have the Smile Factory be on Wano and Doflamingo be based there, you know? But I felt like they did not do that, and this is just me speculating, so that Law would have, like, a an arc of sorts in which he, quote, joins the Straw Hats, you know? Yeah, we got some of his backstory and motivations, Indeed. sure. Moving on, we also find out in this SBS that the horns on the Beast Pirates are confirmed to just be fashion. 
pleasures are allowed to have only one horn, while people of gifter and above are allowed to wear two. Of note, though, is that in this segment, Oda only specifically mentions those two ranks. No mention is made to Kaido or Yamato, etc. So this doesn't necessarily confirm or deconfirm anything about their horns, just the regular members of the Beast Pirates. So don't let people online tell you otherwise. Oda also includes in this SPS drawings of Sanji at age 40 and 60, and another set for the bad ending scenarios. Make sure you check those out on the link. Uh, they're pretty silly. Oda also answers a question about what devil fruits the non-powered members of the Straw Hats would have. He says that Zoro's sword, not Zoro himself, would have the fish fish fruit model Seiryu, meaning a Zoro dragon, which, by the way, is the first official naming of Kaido's fruit that we've seen in any official material. We knew he had the fish fish fruit, but not the type of model that it was. More on that in a moment. Nami would have Anaru's Goro Goro fruit. Usopp would have the Poke Poke fruit, which is Blamenko's pocket fruit from the Whitebeard Pirates. His ability to like, store things inside of his body. Very useful for Usopp. Sanji would have the Sui Sui fruit, Senor Pink's land swimming ability. And Frankie would have the Buki Buki fruit, Baby Five's weapon ability. Hey Jordan, have you heard of the Yamato fruit theories? Have you seen any of those floating around? Yamato fruit? No. So people have been theorizing ever since they like saw Kaido was a blue dragon. Which by the way, the Seiryu, the Azor dragon, is like specifically one of the guardian deities of Kyoto in Japanese myth, right? One of three guardian deities of Kyoto. The other two being the Biako, the white tiger, and a turtle whose name I have forgotten. But the tiger is the important one because that is like the big theory about what Yamato's devil fruit is. A white tiger, the Biako. That would be pretty cool to see. I'd like that a lot. People think it can't possibly be the turtle because we already saw her like transform a little bit a number of chapters ago. Like There were fangs involved and you know. Turtles don't usually have those. Right, yeah. I don't think Kaido would give his own flesh and blood the turtle fruit, no matter <laughs> how powerful it but was. But it's a god turtle, Jordan. Yeah, it still doesn't matter, I don't think. <laughs> we'll see about that. But yeah, people think the Yamato's going to have the Biako white tiger devil fruit, which I think could be cool and thematic, but that would kind of leave like the third one, the turtle, left open. But we'll see how that goes. But that's it for the news. Any questions, comments, or concerns about any of that crap before we move on to uh, the manga reread? I'm ready to jump into that reread. Currently, just to save on a little bit of time, I think I'm going to go through my notes here. So I've got, well, like maybe three things that I actually want to discuss. One is whether you think Oda had any plans for Sanji's second backstory at this point because his backstory, his origin with Zeph is already pretty heart-wrenching. Like, it's pretty bad. It gives him plenty of reason to be doing what he's doing, provides a lot of motivation, all of that. But then to double down and just push it so much further, do you think that Oda had a plan at the start? I do not. I think this stuff was added on much, much later. But I think 
And I am, again, just speculating. I think what happened was Oda was, like, thinking about Sanji and thinking about, like, all the little holes you could poke in to his original bat story. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, why was little boy Sanji just, like, alone, orphaned, presumably, on a ship of cooks, right? What's up with that, says Oda. And he felt the need later on to kind of fill in those blanks that he had left for himself all those years ago. Okay, so then moving on from that, do you think that thought process will eventually be applied to Zoro? I mean, if it was going to happen, I feel like it would have been in Wano. Right, I know you've said that in the past. But we're like past like the history stuff of Wano. We're now in like mm-hmm. the avenging the past bit of Wano. Yep. So like, yep, yep. it does kind of feel like Zoro's backstory is kind of lacking in comparison to some of the other characters. But I don't just don't think there's going to be opportunity going forward to uh, at least not to flesh it out to the extent that Sanji's was. Like maybe okay. after Wano, yeah. we'll get like a brief little bit of history where like, oh, turns out, what's his face? His master from, I forget the name of the village. He's like descended from Wano and he like knew Zoro's parents there or I don't know, some such crud. Right. But certainly not like a multiple chapter flashback, you know? Yeah. Are any of Zoro's swords still the original? Because I know he's gone through a few of them at this point. Have any of them been with him from the start? Well, if by from the start you mean since he left that village, the answer is yes. The Wado Ichimonji, the sword that he usually uses in his mouth, that was... Kuina's sword Mm -hmm. that her dad, his sword master, gave him after she died. Okay, so that one's going to stick with him forever, probably. Indeed, I would think so. We could get some history on that here, which could tie into more backstory for Zora. I think that is likely, and I think we even already have gotten a little bit, because I think... The Tengu man, I think, said that it was forged by the same person that forged... Enma and the other one, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So that's already a little bit. So like, if we know that Swordmaster was from Wano, how did the Wado Ijimanji get from Wano to wherever the fuck village? That's already something. Right, and I could see that still developing. Like, that wouldn't feel out of place to happen after the conflict is sort of settled. Plus, and this has been something people have discussed for a while now, Denjiro, before he had his massive face transformation fueled by rage, looked like exactly like a younger version of Zoro's swordmaster. Like there's an uncanny resemblance there. Okay, I've never seen that one, but I believe it. Oh, oh, you mean when he was younger? Yeah, before he like became Pompadour Man, pretty much. Okay, yeah, with the with the little half ponytail thing and the sunglasses. Indeed. Yeah, okay, I can. I know what you mean there. I got you. Uncanny resemblance. So yeah. There's got to be something going on there. Plus, like, just to, again, further drive home the point of Zoro's village at least being connected to Wano, Zoro learned the term Sunachi from mm-hmm. the geezers from his village. Right. So, like, yeah. there's got to be, like, some people from Wano did get off the island and just made a village in the East Blue or something. None of that necessarily connects directly to Zoro's lineage, but uh, could be. 
I mean, it's it's certainly his past. Whether it's his blood, that's a different thing. But definitely yeah, the past. True. true, true, true. So yeah, that was just something that popped in my head. Uh, another thing, actually, again, with the current arc, was we saw Zeph kind of cheer on Luffy and his grit in this arc. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. grit is effectively the guts that Luffy used to survive Kaido's flame thing. Like, it's the same concept. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly correct. The, the grit that Zeph mentions is how Luffy is just powering through Don Creed's attacks, getting his own in when he can. And like you said, that's exactly what he did to Kaido. <laughs> it is a weird parallel that I did not expect. Well, don't that just beat all. Yeah. It makes me accept the whole Guts explanation more. I, was, I wasn't all that for it originally, but <laughs> now that, like, we've had another instance of it, so it just makes sense. Agreed. Wouldn't call it foreshadowing, but, like, thematic parallels. That's for sure. Right, right. Also, there's a part in this where after all of the fighting is done, Gin says that he wants to meet Luffy again on the Grand Line. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's likely, or do you think he kicked the bucket from the poison? I mean, people have been talking about this ever since the Grand Line started, like, Oh, when's Jin gonna come back? Oda basically said that it's confirmed or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's dead necessarily, but I don't think that there is any need this late in the story to bring back Jin or Don Creed. It would feel so weird, right? For what purpose would they appear, right? Like, what have they been doing all this time that would somehow connect to this end game? with politics with the world government stuff you know right they're they're not kobe like they haven't been peppered throughout and showing development it would be buck wild to see gin appear again in my opinion now i think it's possible perhaps even likely that oda at the time intended for something to happen there and that may explain why there's never been like a don creek and gin cover arc or something like that Okay, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. I think it's too late for him. I think he just, he pales in comparison to what's being thrown around now. Exactly. You know, it just would not live up. Couldn't agree more. Those were my three big things, because we did so few chapters again. But uh, if you have anything, I'm very interested to hear it. I do have a couple points I wanted to address. You know how these days... A complaint about Sanji post time skip is that he loses a lot, right? Yes. I tend to headcanon justify most of those instances as Oda liking to write Sanji into scenarios where he just can't beat the other guy due to circumstance, right? For example, he broke his leg fighting Virgo on Punk Hazard. Largely, I think, in part, due to how he was just blown the fuck up when Nami had his body just like Mm -hmm. 30 minutes prior to that, right? He was already weakened at the time. Yeah. In the whole Cake Island arc, he lost to his brothers left and right because he couldn't fight back against them because they had hostages and they were going to blow off his hands and all that crud. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. That's not really the case that I can think of beyond the Barati arc up until post-time skip. 
but it's certainly the case in this arc. So Oda was kind of starting it off real early, but that's exactly what happens here. He's doing all right against Pearl, and then Jin takes a hostage. He can't fight back anymore. So he takes some big hits against Pearl, which then cause him to lose against Jin later in this arc. So I think it's like yeah, interesting that the very first thing Sanji does became the only thing Sanji does. I exaggerate, but pretty much the only thing Sanji does later in the series. I just thought that was an interesting parallel. Yeah, I'll be paying attention to that in the upcoming arts to see if, if I can catch anything. Because that, that is true. He's definitely known for it's that. It's a bummer. It was still a good trade-off for sure. But you're right. He's always fighting at a disadvantage. It's rough being Sanji. Yeah. Then another thing I wanted to address is the characters of Jin himself. And also, like we did with Kuro and retroactively buddy Don Creed as he compares to Luffy's mentality, right? Yeah. So to start with Jin. Jin, I think, is a fascinating character because Oda originally tries to like play him off as like how do I describe it? Like a bad man who has shown kindness and thus becomes a good man, right? Right. That's kind of how he initially seems like that's the path he's going to go down. But then Oda kind of subverts that because, yes, he does say that he wants to spare Sanji. And he beds Don Creed to allow him to live. But he hasn't become a good guy, right? Like he directly says to Don Creed's face, please let Sanji live. Please listen to me just this one time. I don't regret any of the terrible shit I've done in your service. Just give me this one favor as your number one guy, right? Yeah. So, like... Why the subversion? Yeah, pretty much. Like, why, like, throw in, like, an offhanded line at the end there? Like, oh, I'm not... I haven't really reformed. <laughs> Just but, help me well, out here, Don Creed. Then I think he almost kind of shows it again. Because that was before the whole poison gas thing happened so yeah exactly. was, well but then he redeems himself by basically saving luffy and sanji in one move like he puts himself on death's door to help people that he now believes in yes he does do that but then he dazzles up don creed and the boys and leaves with them to continue doing bad don creed stuff presumably yeah, yeah, that's true. He, yeah, okay. He's an odd character, that Jin. No one's shown him any kindness ever. Don Creed took him in and, I don't think it's ever outright said, but kind of molded him to be his ruthless demon man. Mm-hmm. Sanji shows him a single act of kindness. It shatters his entire persona, but not really, right? It just makes him like Sanji, pretty much. yeah. I mean, it, it gives him the potential, but he just chooses not to rise to it, I guess. Perhaps I am missing something, but that is the interpretation I got from this guy through the chapters that we read this week. I agree, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a weird one. As for Don Creed, he is, as most villains, especially in early One Piece are, a foil to Luffy in the sense that Don Creed believes that strength is weapons, armor things that help him kill people pretty much and while luffy himself doesn't like really speak for himself in this capacity at this point zeph is kind of stating 
Luffy's mindset for him, I guess. Mm-hmm. He says that grit and determination counts for more than power and weapons. This is then shown during the fight with Don Krieg, where uh, Luffy's throwing punches left and right, trying to break through that armor of his, the Woot's armor. But it's not as easy to break as, like, Buggy was, <laughs> for instance. Mm-hmm. So Luffy has to take a lot of hits while trying to get a Tats win where he can. So uh, that's kind of like the parallel there. Like the grit that Luffy is showing and taking all these blows in order to deal his own, slowly whittling the armor down till eventually he overcomes Creed's military might, smashes through the armor, and uh, smooshes that guy real good. I also thought it was interesting that like Krieg definitely relies on a certain level of like trickery and and yeah well just just trickery but also like normally I would say that uh, Luffy doesn't do trickery but in this arc he was kind of more tricky he like broke the spearhead with five punches and he didn't say anything until it already happened mm-hmm. he has that move where he like catches Don Krieg with his foot and slams him to the ground while vaulting over him. Like it's, it's just a little bit of a different flow than I'm used to from Luffy, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, with the fights we've seen so far, at least he's Luffy's just been physically more powerful than those guys. Right. Right. And this was a more tactical opponent than Luffy has faced so far. And so he had to face it in turn with tactics of his own. Yeah. And and he didn't miss a step. Real well, I mean, took a lot of hits. He did but, because he you know. didn't want to believe that someone would fight that way. But Indeed. once he realized that he wasn't gonna like be able to play on his own field, didn't even phase him. Uh, agreed. Uh, I think the moral of the story is Don Creed is terrible. He's dumb and stinky and probably dead. And Luffy's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I had. Anything else you'd like to mention before we uh, end it here? Nope, that's all my notes. All right. So on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Again, no break next week, so we'll be discussing Chapter 1004 and the next non-specific chunk of reread chapters. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone.